Grab a cup of joe and gather round the hay bale with your hosts, Alicia from Country Mama Musings, JC from Ormsby Farms, Casey from Boots and Bounty Homestead, Lisa from Yogi Hollow Farm, and Monica from Bland's Promised Land Ranch. Now, here they are. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Round the Hay Bale. I'm Alicia. I'm Casey. I'm Casey. And I'm Monica. Welcome back to the Hay Bale. Today is Valentine's Day. Yes, and with um, one of our things that we love being animals, we are so excited because we have Casey Montana from War Angels Farm here to join us on the hay bale. So that's exciting. It is. And you know, but before we get into that, how was everyone's week this week? Uh, Monica, how was your week? My week was wonderful. It was birthday week. So we had no live on Thursday night. So it was a little weird. But it was really awesome because we got to spend the day. So we had a 12-year-old, a 22-year-old, and a 10-year-old this week. They all leveled up a year. And um, we had a really nice time. I was a little sad, though, because I missed my my oldest was at home with his wife. And that was kind of bittersweet. But it was really fun. And um, it was really fun to know that his wife was taking really good care of him. She surprised him at work. And that was really fun. And uh, we stayed busy with all the other things, you know, I have the church stuff during the week. And um, so with birthdays, it always is a lot of work, but it is so much fun. So this week was really nice, just kind of hanging out and making it a family week. And of course, then we spent Friday evening with our friends and our family over at Yogi Hollow Farm and got to hang out and celebrate with Lisa um, as she had her live Friday night. So that was really fun. So yeah, my week was pretty good. How about you, Lisa? It was fun and exciting. Um, we had a few things happen that we were not too thrilled about, but <laughs> I will get on my soapbox because I think it's important to know. Um, we have a neighbor who likes to burn, and uh, we know where this is going. Well, um, our, our property goes up and over the rocks, and of the large rock outcroppings that you guys see, in our videos and um, there's a lot of crevices in them. And so Ryan had just come back from the hardware store and fire was coming through the crevices towards the pigs. So we handled that situation, but why do I bring it up here? Burn responsibly people, please burn responsibly. High gusty winds and dry drought and this person is burning and threatening my farm. Not cool, not cool. So that's my soapbox. I'll let it go at that. Um, <laughs> a funny thing is, is though Ryan went up on the rocks with a bucket of water because there's no way we can get a hose there and tossed it over the edge before he realized the person was down below. No, he didn't hit them. <laughs> but it certainly got their attention. And we had a conversation about property lines and um, not threatening our farm. And of course, what was happening Sunday, they burned again. <clears throat> So we'll be moving forward with that. <laughs> um, but other than that, little bit of excitement, thankfully, was not a near miss. I will say that it was not a near miss. 
Um, we went ice fishing yesterday and it was absolutely stunning on the lake. The winds picked up again, but it was just absolutely gorgeous to be out there and come home with a nice rainbow trout and caught a lot of perch we had to put back, but it was just a really exciting, exciting, fun weekend. And I'm going to throw it on over to Lady Boots because I'm curious what you've been doing. Well, this weekend we had three birthday parties um, for one person. <laughs> um, Logan, you know, of course, he has his friends over Saturday and then Saturday night. Um, we have another birthday party when we're dancing. And then Sunday, yesterday for lunch, we had um, the birthday party lunch for the family for Emma and Logan because Logan just had his Thursday. Emma's is next Monday. So we did like the once a month get together family and just celebrated their birthdays. And I get to do it all again in two weeks for Emma's birthday <laughs> because yeah. we'll have her friends over and then we'll go dancing that night. So we just party all weekend for for each of them. Um, other than that, it's it's been full speed on sewing this week. I just can't get out from under it because like I've been saying, it's wedding season and I've got bridesmaids dresses rolling in and prom dresses and everybody's getting ready to party it out here come in April and May and June. Um, and I've, I still have my ceilings over here under the grow light. And funny enough, guys, they're, they're three or four inches tall. I mean, like borderline needing to go outside. I have an aphid infestation in the house under my grow lights. And I am like, what the heck? <laughs> but I thought about you, Lisa, because you were asking me about boiling soil the other day to sterilize it. And that may be where it came from, but this was new soil. So I did not boil it. Um, and that's the only thing I can think of is it, the, you know, they may have been living in that soil. And then whenever I planted all my seeds and stuff, they just kind of emerged with the warmth of the grow light. And they, I mean, like the bottoms of my leaves are covered, absolutely covered all the way down the stem. I've took them outside the last couple of days being like in the 50s and 60s. And I said, I'm all out in the sun. I covered them with DE. Didn't touch them. So I think I'm fixing to have to spray everything down with soapy water and try that. And if not, seven dust will be next. I hate to do that, but I can't get rid of them. And I don't want to be feeding these critters in my house or out in the yard. So, <laughs> so that was my week. I'm, I'm fighting the bugs over there under the grow lights. But other than that, what do you have going over there, Casey at Ormsby Farms? That's crazy. That is crazy about the aphids. But I was just about to say, I'm so glad there's so many February birthdays because I have my birthday Tuesday. Yeah? Tomorrow. So February, yeah. Oh, it is tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, gosh. I'm Happy be birthday, 20. Casey. Thank you. I'll be Happy 21 birthday. again for the 20. I was going to say, are you going to be yeah, 21 again, right? Uh, correct. <laughs> yes, correct. Correct. That's the age. Um, but, you know, representing February birthdays. But our week was pretty kind of quiet as well. We went to the farm a couple times and um, we finally got up some dog fencing, thank goodness. And we're starting to get some electrical work done. So I see an end in sight. I see a move-in date. Finally, literally, finally, I see a move-in date for the farm. Um, and we did a video on our My Soil results. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much our week in a nutshell. Uh, what about you, friend, Alicia? 
Oh, goodness. We had quite the week. I have done a whole bunch of canning. Uh, the countertops are just full of jars of beans. I've got beans everywhere. But um, I just want to say, though, Casey, you see an end in sight, my friend. It's just the beginning. You're going to be busy, busy with all kinds of wonderful things. So I know all four of us ladies were thinking that when you said that there's end in sight, it's the beginning. But, you know, one thing that we did this week that was really interesting that I wanted to share with all of you is we had two bald eagles sitting out in the tree right outside my kitchen window this week. And they stayed there for like a half an hour. And we're only talking 20 or 30 feet from the house at the most. So we were on Eagle Watch all week because we don't know, are they after my chickens? Are they just hanging out? They seem to be a pair and, you know, they mate for life. And so they were just like Twitter pated sitting up in the in the tree talking to each other. They weren't even looking at my chickens. They couldn't even see the chickens from this tree. They're just sitting there talking. And so when they flew away, we thought, well, that's it. Well, they came back yesterday and that seems to be their new favorite tree. I think we have too much activity for them to actually build a nest up there, but they're hanging out there. And I think it's a, um, I'm going to look at that as a positive blessing um, in a spiritual type of way that I'm being visited by these bald eagles. But other than that, we just kind of hung out here at the house. We're um, we're homestead poor until payday. So we didn't go out and do anything for Valentine's Day, but I'm going to make a nice dinner for Papa Jim tonight. So that's what I'll be doing later on in the day is planning that. But otherwise it was just canning an eagle watch all week. So that is what we did here on the farm. So, um, Y'all, thanks for joining us here in the chat at Round the Hay Bale. We are shooting this episode live for podcast distribution. So the hosts, we're not going to be able to answer any questions from the chat. So if you do have any questions, make sure that you tag a moderator and use the capital Q to ask your questions and they'll get back to you as soon as they can. We're waiting for Lisa. You're muted, darling. <sighs> Take two. <laughs> <laughs> to start our show off, we have Casey from War Angel Farm Rescue and Rehabilitation joining us for a Valentine-style Q&A. But before that, Casey took us on a quick tour of her farm. Let's take a look. Struggle bus Monday for us. Give us one second. We're going to try the video one more time.
So we're going to try again after we chit-chat with Casey. So if y'all are enjoying the struggle bus, make sure to leave us a thumbs up <laughs> at the hay bale. We, we sure do appreciate it. I'm finally unmuted. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say for more information on War Angel Farms and how you can support them and donate, please visit our QR code on the screen. We'll try to get that video to you. I've seen it. It's really great. So stick around with us so we can see if we can get that video to you. And y'all, not only does Casey Montana own and run War Angels Farm Rescue and Rehabilitation with her mother, but Casey graduated from KSU with her degree in management, music, and marketing, which is so interesting. We'll have to chat with her about that. While running the rescue, she works in entertainment for Intune Entertainment and American Roots Records as their social media marketer. War Angel Farms Rescue and Rehabilitation is a 501c3 equine and farm animal rescue specializing in saving horses and donkeys from the slaughter pipeline. Casey always says, <clears throat> Casey always says, it's amazing how God leads situations and people in your life that all string together to create your story. And he changes the desires of your heart accordingly. Not only does God give you a will and a way, he also sends others a will and a way to you. So let's please welcome to Round the Hay Bale owner and operator of War Angel Farms, Casey Montana. Woo! Thanks for having me. Welcome, Casey. Thank you. Can I just point out first that we have Casey, 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 and the Hay Bale? I think the Casey's are taking over. It's the trifecta. Yeah, the Casey trifecta for sure. I like that they're all spelled differently. Yeah. They are. And none of us can find our names on anything. We <laughs> have to special order everything. True. <laughs> Mine is always sold out, so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I'm going to jump in here and say that um, Casey Montana, I don't know how we're going to differentiate Casey number three. Um, I was able to watch some of your videos last night and I was just so moved and it took me back to my day here on the farm when I was able to save some from the kill pen. It is wonderful work that you're doing. I know it is, uh, as we were discussing backstage, it's not easy work. It is so, so rewarding, but sometimes it is filled with heartache and I'm not patting myself on the back saying it takes a special person to do that, but I know it takes a special person to do that. And I want to thank you so much for doing this for these animals. And um, as we're talking here, I know that you're sharing some really wonderful experiences with us. Yes. Thank you. Yes, it definitely, you know, you have to have a heart for animals and it takes a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good moments and there's a lot of really stressful moments, but it's all, you know, at the end worth it to give these horses a second chance at life. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I saw that you brought home a mare that was uh, exposed and with foal and she delivered right there on your farm. Yes, ma'am. There was actually 10 pregnant mares and a bunch of rescues got together to save them. And I picked out her, her name's rumor. They all died except two of them. She made it here to our farm and then the other one made it to a friend's farm and she held on to her baby a month longer than she was supposed to just because she was getting nutrients. And we still have them both. They're very special to us. Uh, rumor and Jubilee. <laughs> That is so Aww. sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the the first horse I brought home. She was an exposed, confirmed 
and, but we never got a full. Oh, she was confirmed more than once, but we, I don't know if she just went off to a corner somewhere and delivered and something got a hold of it. Um, she bagged up everything, but we never got a full, but she lived with us for the rest of her natural life in a beautiful pasture and surrounded with love. And, and we did lose her a few years ago, but she didn't go that day in that kill pen. And I think that was the most important thing. So I, I can relate to what you're doing and I appreciate it so much. And thank you for doing that for, for, for Jubilee and her mama. Thank you. So Casey, for those folks who are watching or listening to the podcast who may not be familiar with your organization, can you share a little bit about it to educate folks on what you're doing? Yes. So we do a lot of different things at the farm, but our main focus is saving horses and donkeys from the slaughter pipeline. And what that means uh, for people that don't know is slaughter of horses is illegal in the U.S. Um, So what we have is pretty much brokers for the slaughterhouses that are in Mexico and Canada. And the brokers are uh, kill pens and kill pens are all over the U.S. So when people send their horse to an auction you know, you always want to think that, you know, a family buys them. And a lot of times they do or a ranch. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of horses out there and the ones that don't get bought, um, the kill buyer buys for meat price. And what we do is we go to the kill pen and we try to save the ones we can. So as long as you give them um, meat price for it, you know, they don't care. They're making money either way. Um, It's a business to them. They don't, you know, they don't get attached to the horses at all. So we go in like, you know, a week before they're supposed to ship. They ship them out every week and we try to save the ones we can. And um, so we purchase them straight from them right before they get on the truck. And we've we've actually gotten some like like 10 minutes before they've loaded on to the slaughter truck. So it's it's a lot of last minute fundraising, last minute stresses, trying to get everything together and the, and the horses and donkeys picked up and brought here. And they always arrive sick because they're thrown into these pens with a bunch of horses and they're fighting, you know, they're fighting for food, they're fighting each other and they're just exhausted. So, I mean, most of the time it, you know, we can save them and it all goes smoothly, but sometimes as soon as they feel they're safe, they just, they go downhill. What's the most that you have rescued at one time to give people an idea of of the magnitude of this? So we only, so we usually, this is something we're actually growing on this year because we would like to be able to rescue more at one time, but we usually try to rescue two to three at a time Mm -hmm. because when they get here, they have to go into our quarantine pasture. And um, with that comes a lot of vet bills because they're always sick. So we always do three at a time. And then when they move out of the quarantine pasture um, so that they don't get any other horses sick, They'll move into one of our herds. We have about three herds right now, depending on their um, their personalities. And then we'll bring in, you know, two or three more into the quarantine pasture. <clears throat> I love that you're taking those measures because a lot of folks don't realize how important the quarantine is. And especially when animals like horses or dogs that go to rescues, you know, like you said, they often get sick. They're stressed. Mm-hmm. You know, and when they finally get to an environment, they're yet again in a new, another new environment that's stressing them out. And they don't yes. realize, you know, the, the threat that it poses to the horses that you have on your farm already. Yes. And we actually, some of like our last rescue was an Amish workhorse. And when he got to our quarantine pasture, we, he stayed there like two months longer because he felt so safe there that he actually wouldn't 
leave the pasture. So we had to work on trust exercises every day. And now he'll go anywhere we lead him. But he was like scared that if he left that pasture, he wouldn't go back, I guess. Wow. I think it's so cool, Casey, because, you know, I found out about your story from 11 Alive News here in Georgia because funny for those who are listening, Casey is actually in Georgia as well. And I've never, I've always wanted to like reach out to another farm here in Georgia, you know, to make friends of farmers. And we saw the story and me and my mother absolutely fell in love with you and your farm story. And so I had to reach out. But how did you and your mother... Since you run it with your mother, how did y'all get into this? What what was the process for y'all getting into doing a rescue and rehabilitation? Well, um, so my mom's always had horses. So growing up, you know, since I was six, you know, we moved out to a farm. We have 100 acres in Canton and it was all wood. So over the years, we cleared the pastures. Mom built our house because she used to build houses and um, we had horses. And then I went to college, got a degree. And when I got out of college, I was like, I'm going to start a farm, like more than what we already had. And so um, we, I got a couple animals and we were going to start the a petting zoo of sorts is what my mind was. But it quickly started changing because people would call us and ask us to take in owner surrenders or take in this abused horse. And, you know, we got to the point where we couldn't do it on our own anymore. And I was like, well, I think, you know, this is the direction God's leading us in. So we became a, a 501c3 nonprofit and we went full rescue and, you know, God just always provides. It's so awesome. So I just know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and mom's right there along with me. She like, she's amazing and she loves animals. She's the one that gave me my love for animals, but we laugh about it all the time. Cause I'm like, didn't you think you'd want to retire? <laughs> and now I'm like, now we got like five times as many animals and we're constantly working. <laughs> and- Oh, sorry, Alicia. I was just going to say with um, all the animals that you rescue, and I'm going to talk about it more in the show, but you're an artist also. Like you <laughs> A little. We, met, we mentioned in you know your intro that you work in uh, music entertainment, which is so cool. So cool. I think, especially from all of us farmers here on the panel that are uh, YouTubers, so we feel like we're artist in our way too but you also have a coloring book y'all for those that don't see it or listening back to on a podcast i'll have the link in our description box but it is a coloring book of all of the animals that are been rescued on your farm which i just think is so freaking cool and y'all know that i had to go ahead and get me one is on amazon again we'll leave the link moderators if you can drop that link Um, the proceeds go back to this fabulous farm and you get to color win win and come meet them come take a tour and meet them (laughs) oh Casey you need to do that you need to go visit the farm and go see all the animals I'm so there I told Casey I said after the show we're going to talk and set something up and I may do a on-site location interview for the hay bale so stay tuned Casey M watch him though Watch, check his pockets when he leaves. He's got the hankering so bad for farm animals. You're going to have to watch him. He might but I, away. Yeah, I'll put some horses in my pockets. <laughs> watch out pockets. for the baby chicks. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I, I think um, you're more than just horses and donkeys. You have other animals there on the farm as well. As Casey was flipping through the book, we saw some of your artistry of the horses, but 
What else do you have there on your farm? So we have, let's see, we have horses, donkeys, cows, alpacas, goats, sheep, pigs, rabbits, tortoises, um, chickens. I feel like cats, dogs. <laughs> uh, I think I think that's all birds. Yeah, we have a lot. We have like over 60 animals um, right now, but we do like photo shoots and things with them too, which is really fun. Like our alpaca is booked a year in advance every year because she is superbly friendly uh, for an alpaca. Um, so she does photo shoots every weekend in March. She's booked. <laughs> Wow. That's, that's the coolest thing, actually. It was funny because I was going to ask about all the other animals you have. So what are you are you rescuing all the other animals beyond horses and donkeys? Or what do you do with how did you get or what do you do with the other animals on your farm? So oddly enough, you know, we do. My heart is with horses and donkeys. But, I mean, I love all animals. And uh, just the past few months, we adopted out two milk cows that we rescued from a situation. And then three guinea pigs and two African tortoises, which is funny because I have my African tortoise that's 60 pounds. His name's Ringo and we love him. And I didn't ever think that I'd ever even see another African tortoise, but lo and behold, we had two African tortoise surrenders um, this year and adopted them both out. Um, so yeah, we, we rescue all animals, <laughs> but the alpacas were actually um, right when I got out of college, I had two, two of them. And that was kind of like this, this weird thing that I was like, I really, really want an alpaca. So I drove to an alpaca farm <laughs> and got two alpacas. And so they'll be with me their whole life. But um, I've yet to rescue an alpaca. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. So so the alpacas are yours. And then the rest of your animals that you care for are ones that you are willing to rehome or adopt out if they need to. Some of them. So some of them just end up sanctuary here. And like my heart gets so attached to them that I think that all animals do deserve like a person that's, you know, their special person. But some of the horses that come here, like our Amish workhorse, we just got like, I don't think it'll ever be fair to him to go somewhere else. Like he is so happy now and he's been through so much that like, I'm, I'm just like, he's going to be a sanctuary horse here. Like I'm not putting him through that, but you know, some animals we get, they have so much life ahead of them and they deserve to have that special little girl or special family that loves them. So it goes both ways. There's horses that'll be here forever and animals. And then there's animals that do find their forever home. And once they get there, I'm like, okay, they're safe. They're in a good place. But it always goes through my head. I'm like, am I really going to adopt this animal out? That's cool. That's cool that you can see that too, because I think that takes a lot. You know, we have animals here on our farm and we're not a rescue, but you can see we have, you know, we have bunnies that we raise for other purposes. Um, But we also have bunnies that we know that are super special that are beyond just a regular, um, regular bunny on our farm. And so for instance, we have a couple now that are super friendly and my daughter's like, mom, you know, this is like a pet. This bunny is a pet for sure. And the way that, you know, he or she right now, we're not sure if it's a boy or girl behaves. My daughter's like, we can't, we can't, this is, this has to be a pet. So this bunny is for sure going to be a pet somewhere. And it's cool because I can see that she acknowledges that, that she knows that there's, this one has a little bit more oomph in it. And yeah, it, would, I it. <laughs> it deserves to be a pet somewhere. So anyway, but yeah, that's cool though. I wanted to go ahead and say that I, we're going to try the struggle bus one more time because <laughs> we just couldn't get enough and we're going to try and learn a little bit more of Casey Montana of War Angel Farms.
Hey there. So my name is Casey, and I run Orangel Farms Rescue and Rehabilitation. Me and my mom run it together, and we specialize in equine farm animal rescues. <laughs> Uh, horses and donkeys from the Kilton. Uh, we try to save them out of the slaughter pipeline. And um, I'm going to show you all around. So here we go. So, so some of the things that we do around the farm is we do private tours where you get to meet all these animals and the horses. Um, we also do summer camps, which is a great way to get kids involved. We also have our coloring book, which has all these animals and all the horses you meet at the farm. So no matter what reason you come to the farm, you'll always get to meet alpacas, goats, sheep, donkey, horses, pigs, and of course, any new rescues that we have at the moment. So this little boy is Charlie Brown, and <laughs> he's very feisty. He's a little stud muffin. Um, we got him out of the kill pen the day before Thanksgiving. And um, he was just a tiny baby. We don't know if his mom died at the kill pen or beforehand. They wouldn't tell us. But all we know is um, he was very sick. He had a fever, a runny nose. Um, he couldn't run because of his legs. He had something called sticky stifles from being confined for so long. And um, he was just so sick. And and now he is just a wild man and he's in little photo shoots all the time with little kids. And um, he's just spoiled rotten and we love him and he'll be a year old this month. So we're very excited to have him here at the farm and he goes in the house. So we might make him a therapy pony. We haven't decided yet. He's got calm down some. <laughs> I love you. This is Rumor and Jubilee, and Rumor is one of our Kilpin mares. We got her from the Kansas Kilpin in February. She's one of many heavily bred mares that are in the Kilpin. A lot of the mares in the foals either don't make it or uh, their foals don't make it. So we're very thankful because we had a lot of prayers over little Jubilee um, and that Rumor gave birth. Rumor's doing great now. She's gained a bunch of weight. Um, she's such a good girl. We didn't know anything about her, and she's just exceeded our expectations and we're so thankful for little jubilee curtis and that's willie we got curtis willie and their brother hank two weeks ago from the north texas kill pen um, when they arrive, uh, a common thing that a lot of horses and donkeys have is pneumonia because they're not treated in the best condition. Um, so unfortunately, Hank did not make it, even though we tried really hard. We were sad about that. Curtis is still fighting pneumonia. He's better. Um, and then Willie is healthy as of right now, which is great. Um, so right now he gets treated every day and we're trying to clear up his pneumonia and keep him eating. Anyways, so their long ears. See you. They're such good donkeys. They do not like flies in their ears. So. Okay. Oh, that was my bad. Okay. There you go. 
Willie loves his spot mask. <laughs> so we are so thankful to be stewards of God's creation while we're here on this earth. We wouldn't want to do anything else. We love what we do. And if you'd like to see a transformation video of some of the horses that we've brought here from when they arrived from the kill pen in bad shape to taking off their kill pen numbers to the healthy versions of themselves today, then please check out the video following this. And thanks for watching. Finally, we got the video up. So thank you for everyone's patience. That was a great video. I love seeing donkeys. See, as Alicia said, Casey, now I'm going to want a donkey. So thank you. So, <laughs> donkeys are the best. <laughs> I'm going to be having like 40 animals move in with me when I finally move on to the, <laughs> move on to the farm. Huh? Adopt some from me. <laughs> I'm getting ready to say that. You just need to go visit and find the right donkey for you. See, then you can have Casey kind of guide you in that and you're not overdoing it. New Casey farm, new farm Casey. Well, see, Casey... Casey wore Angel's Farm and Susan, Mom, Ormsby Farm are like the same person. So we would probably end up with 900 of Casey's animals moving <laughs> over to Ormsby Farm. So I have to keep Susan, Mom, Ormsby Farm on a leash sometimes with adopting animals. See, you have to remember, you have to remember, Casey, with the right person that is in charge of those animals originally, you won't be allowed to take more than you can handle home because the right steward of God's animals won't sell or give or gift or whatever more than they know that person. Because when you have animals, it's your responsibility to, even when you sell them, it's your responsibility to kind of do a little bit of background and know that you're selling to a person. Because even just the other day, we had let go four of our pigs. And before we, you know, traded our pigs, we bartered for hay. And before we let our pigs go, it was important for me to know that the gentleman knew about pigs. He knew what he was going to do with them. He had a plan in mind and he had the proper fencing because in the past, unfortunately, I have made the mistake of selling pigs to people and they weren't prepared and the pigs got out. And so that's my responsibility as a good farmer and a good steward of God's animals to make sure that you don't. So see, you could go to her place safely because you know you're not going to leave there with 850 animals. You leave there with one or two because you won't pace yourself. with 825. <laughs> no, one or two because you won't pace yourself. <laughs> that's so true what you said, though. We are so like strict about... Yeah. Um, our adoption contract, because, you know, as y'all know, I'm sure, too, being on a farm, animals or not, you're constantly learning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could tell you everything there is to know about horses and then a new one will come and still blow my mind on something new. Yeah. Um, so I am always there for anyone that adopts from us. I get questions all the time, especially about like the exotics, like the tortoises. And um, I just make sure they know that they can always contact me and that they do have the right fencing and feeding and things like that. And um, I think when you have an adopter that goes extra mile and really proves to you that they've done everything that you said they need to do, it makes me feel better um, <clears throat> that they'll give them the care they deserve. Yeah. And it's not just about love. You know what I mean? Like we could, we could all give all the love. That's the easy part, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's all about the care. And, and, and I always say the love is also the care, right? So, you know, keeping them safe, keeping them healthy, making sure they get what they need. That's right.
Yeah. And a lot of times it does extend after the transaction, if you will, is over, you know, after the person takes it. One of the things that we try to do when we, um, when we sell our cattle or any of our animals is we check in with that person later. Um, you know, unfortunately we got a couple blue healers too many at the time and um, we, they were great. And we realized they started struggling as sisters. They started fighting and it wasn't a safe place for them both to be here at our farm. And we had them for years and it got worse and worse as they got older. And so we found a nice home for the one sister. And even to this day, two years later, I check in all the time because I want to make sure she's okay. And I've told the lady, look, if at any point you can't handle her, you're not prepared prepared. You can't, you know, she's not right for your farm or your family. You just let me know. We'll take her back and we'll do what we need to do because she's been our responsibility. And, you know, we want to make sure that she's cared for. So, you know, I appreciate that part about what you're doing too, because I'm sure that once they come in there, they don't leave very easily. No. You know? And they exactly. never leave my heart or my mind. Like you said, I'm always like, okay, you know, like we, they sign a contract, but if they ever have to come back here, I know that right now, if all the people that adopted animals had to bring our, their animals back, they're my responsibility because they were at the beginning and they always will be. Exactly. And that's an important part of, you know, who you are as well. And you can see that in your conversation and what your farm represents. And it's a cool thing because that means that people feel safe surrendering their animals to you. And yeah. sometimes people do have a you know hard time surrendering animals. And I think that's something that people forget about. Um, they think that, oh, well, we they just were surrendered. I've watched people take their animals to auction and be devastated that they had to do it. But there were no other options. It's not just like people are, you know, grabbing the horses or grabbing the cows by their, you know, harnesses and get in there. You know, we're just wanting to make a buck. Because yeah. when you take your animal to auction, you're not making that much money. Yeah. A lot of times and it's just unfortunate. Yeah. And, it, you know, I always try to be kind about owner surrenders because they they are doing the right thing. They're trying to find a good home without going to those measures like an auction. And we actually got an owner surrender yesterday, a donkey. Fred Flintstone is his name. Um, he's so cute. But uh, the his owner had passed away. And so the daughter was trying to find a home for him. So the donkey was very loved his whole life, had never left that pasture. Um, so he's, you know, it's been a big change for him, but they did the right thing. You know, they were trying to find someone that would love him like his owner loved him. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. You saw Diesel earlier and um, the name of our farm, it was Yogi Hollow Farm. And that's because we had Yogi, who was an owner surrender. Um, and he was also a bulldog, like an old English bulldog like Diesel. And, you know, it's so true. You were talking about, to me, it takes a lot of. I don't know the right word for it, but it, it's a lot of heartache, but it is the responsible thing to do to be able to surrender your animal and make sure they get where they need to be. Mm -hmm. um, I know for Yo Yogi went through a lot of channels when he was surrendered. Um, and thankfully due to organizations like yourself, um, he ended up at a humane society because he originally went to a pound. Um, and they had, you know, they had built that relationship with the Humane Society, whereas Diesel, I was able to work directly with them, the owner. So that, that was a good thing. Do you have any mini donkeys over there? I do. We have, well, we have one mini donkey and one like half mini donkey. Um, and it's funny cause they're all loud, but the big ones are so much louder. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear them. They're all, like, we put them in a something we call the donkey pasture and we actually, put them where uh, we had a lot of coyotes in the past so that they can help with that situation. But in the mornings, if I'm late for breakfast, I can hear them as if they're sitting on the front porch. I mean, it's just like, it like blows your eardrums. <laughs> 
I remember when I was first talking about getting donkeys here on the farm, I had several people send up the warnings. Oh, they're so loud. You're not going to like it. I love it. Little CJ, our Captain Jack, he's a mini. He has his little sing song every day, and I absolutely love it. So, but it's something for people to consider. These animals do have other attributes that you need to take into consideration if you're going to think about adopting them. If something like that at seven in the morning is going to upset you, maybe a mini donkey is not for you, but I love them. I absolutely love them. And I'll share with you real quick, Casey, uh, one of the the most touching uh, rehomes of of my experience was we had a donkey that was brought over by our vet and she had been abandoned. She was, she was originally from the grand Canyon. She was a Bureau of land management adoption. And we had her here till her final day. And that was just something I'd always wanted was to get a Bureau of land management donkey. And she was from the grand Canyon. And when she passed, I was brokenhearted. And the vet said, you know, she was around when LBJ was president So don't feel bad. She had a long, healthy life, you know, and she had love when she was here. And but I thought you'd really appreciate knowing, you know, that a BLM uh, rescue donkey from the Grand Canyon was here. It was so amazing. And I just love them. That's amazing that you did that. We um, we love the BLMs. We have two BLM Mustangs that have been there here their whole life. And we have um, two reservation Mustangs coming next month, two babies that got rounded up um, illegally. So that's interesting, but there is a lot of roundups going on right now. And a lot of people don't give BLM horses or bureaus a chance, but they're really like, they're tough, they're strong. And once you make that connection with them, you know, they make great pets just like anything else. So it just takes a little extra time to get them, you know, (laughs) but that's awesome. Absolutely. It does take time and they have trust issues and they, and also they're feral, Mm -hmm, but it's it's a wonderful thing. And I'm, I'm just so, um, enamored i i wrote the the group here last night and i said this is my story and just don't don't fret if i get a little bit off kilter here during the chat today because it touches my heart so much because i can relate to it so much that i'm going to do my best not to get weepy and get on a soapbox i never did get into like any rescues that i know of but i grew up riding horses and horse shows And my dad also had Belgium mares and he, he would hook them up to like old horse wagons and we would ride the church kids around the fields back behind my parents' house. And then he, he also owned a couple of mules when I was younger and he would actually plow all of our gardens and stuff with them. And that was, that was their exercise and, you know, kept them as workhorses and stuff like that. And he also had um, a couple of, I think they were mules at the time, um, but we loaned them out to an Amish family that's about an hour and a half away from here. And we loaned them out because their animals had passed and they were on the verge of losing their family land because they couldn't work it to make any money. And so he loaned out a couple a set of mules for that season for the Amish family to be able to work their land and um, be able to keep their, you know, the land and make their money that they need to. And I thought that was pretty cool because this past summer, I actually took my kids up to the Amish family that we had did that for. And they they're still there. The, the older parents have died, but the younger ones that were my age. 
that was on the verge of losing their land is still there. And they actually have a market and stuff open up to the public. And so I thought that was really cool, you know, that they're still able to be there and that I could take my kids up there and show them, you know, that that at one point, you know, our family had helped their family to be able to do this and continue their legacy. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, that is really great. And there's so much we want to learn about you and your farm, Casey, and, and your rescue and rehabilitation. We don't want to keep you all day long, though. So we do want to tell everybody to find out more information on War Angel Farm. Make sure you check out the QR code in the corner and give back today. Help them if you can. Uh, it really is a great cause. And I'm hoping we'll be able to have Casey up again because there's so much more we need to learn. Um, but again, her time is important. Uh, thank you so much, Casey, for joining us here on the Hay Bale. We hope you'll come back. Thank yes, you. Thank you, Casey. Yeah. Thank you all. Bye. And be sure to follow Casey on social media at War Angel Farms on Instagram and Facebook. But y'all, not only is today Valentine's Day, but even more excitingly, it is International Give a Book Day. Now we've talked about this before on the homestead or on the podcast about homesteading books and you know having copies of the book if the internet was to go down and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we wanted to dive in a little bit more of uh, our favorite books that we like. Who's next? <laughs> um, also, remember, you can always find these links to the books that we talk about through the QR code and in the show notes below. So who, who has some favorite books that are like a must-have on their homestead? I love books. All books are a must-have for me. But... <laughs> um, one of the ones that I love is the Backyard Homestead um, because it's all about um, information, but also all about efficient use of land, which is what I love. And it's an awesome book. It has diagrams of how to set things up on a very small, and I'm going to put it up as soon as I get to the page, how to um, set up very small homesteads and so on. Just take my word for it. It's an awesome book. Awesome, awesome book. Uh, the other one I've been delving into is as we get ready, we're on heat watch with the pigs and it's our first time. It's a story's guide to raising pigs. It is not um, specific to my breed. Uh, however, I do have information uh, specific to my breed here as well, but really loving this book. So it's got, this one's even got nice pictures too. Ooh, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely loving it. This is just a really, really good set of books that we've been referencing. Um, we have a ton more just because I'm a book hoarder and there is nothing like a real book for me. We call it we call it a keeper around here, okay? We don't say the word hoarding. It's a keeper. You're a keeper of books. And that's a good thing because here's the thing. If something happens and you don't have 
internet, all you have is, you know, you have, you have no internet left. What do you do? You have to go to your books. So I, based upon the stories guide, which is what she showed, I have the raising pigs. I have the raising rabbits. We also have the raising cows. We have almost all the different animals we have. And that's because the stories guide, which is what she just showed, the stories guide is a great, they have a bunch of them. If you look down here, they have all the different animals. And the stories guide is a really good book to have. If you have animals on your farm, grab the stories guide too. It's a basic, it's like a real basic, broad um, book guide. We really like those overall. I just have a lot of gardening books and I kind of absorb all of those things. If I see it, I'm like, I gotta have that one. But I will say the stories guide. Another helpful book to have is if you are gonna have a specific breed, go look for a breed specific book. Maybe they can help you. But again, I reference books are great, but hands-on experience is the best. Just saying. Agreed. Agreed. And um, the other thing was Ryan used to um, process and butcher animals all the time when he was younger. And it had been many years since he had done it. And we did get a book um, that I don't have on hand. I can give the information to Casey after, but it was all about processing animals. And it was one that Living Traditions had recommended. And so Ryan went through that book just as a refresher before we started processing again. And it was, it was really helpful because there were simple little things, you know, it's like riding a bike, but there was like that one crucial little thing when you're processing a chicken to not contaminate the meat. He had to remind himself of because it had been so long. And not only like with raising animal uh, books, but I, I know I have talked about it before. I think when we had Gray Man on the show, I talked about it with the Encyclopedia of Country Living. Um, she's, again, she's a biggin. She's a biggin, but she has a lot of information on random stuff around the homestead. Not only just for raising animals, but carpentry, um, plumbing. I think there's a little bit of electrical in here too seed saving breads there's bread um not really recipes but guides on how to make homemade bread so i always recommend this when people ask the encyclopedia of country living is a must-have and again for those that are just joining in the chat i see some people have joined in we will have uh links in the bio box for all the books that we talk about Anybody and you know else? um it's been brought up in the chat, a really great book series that I personally have been looking for. I was introduced to them when I was a teenager, and I thought, what's the big deal about these Foxfire books? But I knew a family that had them, and they relied on them so heavily, and I've been checking the thrift stores whoops, to try to find them, and I can't find them. But I wanted to point out that, and there won't be links to my books, but one thing that I love to have here on the farm is I do love to hit up the little thrift stores and get the little cookbooks that are uh, area specific. You know, some of the church ladies put them out and I think it's a great part of the history and the heritage of where you live, but they have recipes. Like you were saying, you're not going to have the internet for some of these recipes. They have recipes that are going to get you through some hard times. If you don't have internet, you can just pull it down off the shelf, look up a recipe. Um, this book here was purchased for me by my mother which I didn't mention earlier. And I teared up a little bit when, when Casey said it was Valentine's day today would have been my mother's 88th birthday. Um, so happy birthday to my mama. Um, 
but she bought this for me when I was about 12. And I knew some of the old women that put recipes in this book. They were part of my childhood. And I actually did a pie crust recipe out of this book from a woman who arrived at her home in a covered wagon when she was a little girl. So, you know, not only are they informational, but they're historical and they end up in the thrift stores and for a quarter a piece. So, you know, get yourself some of these little cookbooks, keep them on hand so that you have reference for some recipes and you're not going to have the internet for some of those good old fashioned things that are going to get you through times on the homestead. And some of them, you know, have the canning recipes of old and some of the ways that they put their food up. And so it's important to have those. So you won't find the QR codes for them, but, you know, keep an eye out at the thrift stores and treat yourself every once in a while quarter here, 50 cents there to a little bit of your local heritage. Well, um, before Stephen was on YouTube and you guys knew him before he went to college, he worked in a book factory and he, he, at first he packaged the books for the authors and would sell, you know, send them out to their shows. And then he got promoted to supervisor and was able to get his hands on a few different books. But one, this was this was before we actually lived here and had our, our little homestead here up and running. But and it's kind of odd that he got these books even back then. This was probably five or six years ago. And even back then, these are the books that he came across. So Casey's got the encyclopedia, but I've got the back to basics book. So this book. It's it just it goes over so many of the the processes that people need on their homestead. This starts out in actually talking about buying land, what to look for. And then it talks about solar power. It talks about how to harvest wood, how to grow a garden. It touches on the basics on particular animals, how to raise them you know, what they need in, in their diets and the fencing and um, how to preserve food and uh, homesteading skills and crafts. And it touches on herbs and medicinals and stuff like that. So this book right here, this is the third edition, but it touches on a little bit of everything. And this is a good book to get you started. I also have another book in my prepper library or homesteading library that talks about um, building infrastructure for your animals and how to build different ideas on what you may need for your animals. Um, and then of course, my favorite that I have fallen in love with the last couple of years is The Lost Book of Herbal Remedies by Dr. Nicola Palian. This right here has been my godsend book for um, all things on the homestead from growing it to foraging it, to making medicines with it and taking care of my family. This is what really got me started into learning about um, the products and such that I'm making. And then, of course, the follow-up to that book is The Forager's Guide to Wild Foods. This goes even deeper from the first book, this one. It goes even deeper and talks about... Um, where this one breaks it down between herbs and trees and berries and different things that a lot of stuff you can plant and a lot of stuff that is very common. This goes even deeper 
into what you may not can grow yourself, um, what's going to be specific to a certain area. And Casey, I thought about you the other day. We had talked about this. And let me show you in this one, if you'll make me big one more time. In this book, this is the Forager's Guide. One thing I thought was really cool is that if you look right, right here, it has a map of the United States and it shows you specifically what area that the certain plant or certain flower or herb or whatever is grown. And so I noticed in here, there's a couple of them in here that we do have in our area, but it didn't show it. But it's just a, a common general area where they are native to. And see, like cattails right here, this is my favorite. And they're grown all over the United States and Canada. And so this one I thought was really cool because it's more area specific. Um, if you are wanting to get out and actually go learn and forage for what may be in your area. Casey, I've eaten cattails in a survival class. So um, you can eat ca you can eat cattails. You eat the stem. It's almost like cutting it up like a green onion, almost like. I want to know, Casey, have you ever eaten purslane? I have it to grow this year because I can't find it. Um, oh. But I, I did order seeds, and I'm that's actually going to be one of my next herbs that I put in my medicinal garden to grow for my family and friends. And I have seen it. I've never eaten it. Um, but whenever I go to look for it, I can't find it around here because we live in an area that has so many fields around here in West Tennessee. I mean, we're just we're a crop production part of the state and everything gets sprayed with chemicals because of the commercial fields. And so we've lost a lot of that. But these books are good for myself because, you, as you guys know, we have a cabin now up at the Tennessee River. And I can use these books to take with me and forage for things up there because they don't crop spray or dust or anything up there because they don't have the crops like we do here. And so I can find all of these things up there whenever we go to the cabin, but I just can't find them here. So I'm excited to see what else I can learn this year using my new books I got. <laughs> well, if you ever need purslane, it's all in my driveway. <laughs> we have purslane, it's like a weed out here, but I've not. I've not been brave enough yet to go out and pluck some and put it in a salad, but maybe this year I'll do that. Maybe I'll uh, do a purslane challenge and stick it in it's a salad. Very, very nutrient dense. And it is in this book. Um, and it's in alphabetical order. And that's what's so nice about it. I can find it pretty easily. Here it is. Purslane. Mm -hmm. Right. There. And in this book, The Forager's Guide, it tells you how to identify it. It tells you that you can, it's edible and what parts of the plant to eat, what, you know, what you can do with the flowers, what you can do with the leaves, what you can do with the stems, what you can do with the roots. And then as it goes on through the book, it tells you what meta, um, the medicinal side of it is. And it does give a couple of pictures of each thing. And, um, in each, there's a category, like here's diabetes, here's fungal infections. It tells why it helps those things and what's the best thing to use it for. Um, so, yeah, there's a section on here, diabetes for purslane. Mm. <laughs> and there's I'm a recipe. Look into that. There's a recipe here, and it also gives a warning. Purslane is considered safe to eat in large uh, quantities without any side effects. So. That's pretty good there, too. 
I'm going to have to get my purse laying on. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, if you're enjoying the topics here on Round the Hay Bale, be sure to scan the QR code on the screen to download previous episodes and so much more. Also, learn more about our sponsor for the Hay Bale, American Crafted Catalog, which began with one simple question. Is there a place to buy goods online from small farms and homesteads? And the innocent question came from Brandy from Farm and Animals. And by the end of the day, the homesteading community was at work. The ACC believe that working together as a community gives us a louder voice in the marketplace. And they are delighted to bring you the first edition of the catalog. For more information on the American Crafted Catalog, visit the QR code on the screen. We also have a sponsor from MySoilTesting.com. My Soil Test Kit Kit, <laughs> kit, kit. <laughs> is a start-to-finish solution for the DIY and professional community. Their team has successfully combined predictive soil testing technologies. With an easy-to-use customer experience that assists in improving soil and plant health while effortlessly guiding sustainable practices, their goal is to guide users in perfecting their soil to grow the healthiest plants possible. To grab one of your own at-home soil tests, go to www.mysoiltesting.com. And use the promo code MYSOIL22 for 10% off of your kit. Be sure to scan the QR code to find out all about the events that we all have going on. Oh, also, make sure to catch up on all the previous episodes on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Next week on the Hay Bale, we have one of the creators of the American Crafted Catalog, Nikki of Five Dog Farms. And next week will be our last live episode of our first season of Around the Hay Bale. We will be chatting with Nikki um, about the magazine and pretty much homesteading in general. But our episodes will be on rerun all through March before the second season is released. Now, season two, we will be pre-recording our podcast and releasing them on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify every Monday starting in April. You'll be able to watch our episode teasers every Monday on YouTube. All righty, friends. Thanks again for stopping by the hay bale. Thanks again to Casey from More Angel Farms for joining us. And be sure to press the thumbs up and subscribe to join us every week. Bye, y'all. Bye. 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 Bye.